Unseen Battles, please look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, the punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. Verse 11, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. Following the scripture, following the instructions of Paul, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his design. A church had a hamburger picnic after church, and everybody was enjoying the hamburgers, and they were looking at them, but, but there became to be a disturbance taking place because the mustard packs were out of date. And when you tried to squeeze that mustard out of that outdated pack, it was like coagulated. And it was nasty. This fellow walked over to the pastor and said, have you seen the mustard? I said, no, I didn't get any mustard. Have you, look at this, look at my, look at my mustard. And I went, dude, what's wrong with your mustard? He said, everybody's mustard is like this. I'm going to go find a church that when they have a hamburger bash, they have good mustard. Amen. Amen. Man, he says. An oil field worker moved to a new town and went to church, and his family hadn't moved with him yet, and, and he goes to this church, and he walks up for a Bible study for a Sunday school hour. And one of the greeters sees him, and they get to talking. He said, I'm new in town, and, and I'd like to go to Sunday school. He said, come on, I'll help you find a class. And they went walking around, and the greeter opened a door to a class and walked in and looked at the people that were in that room and turned back and said to him, you, you won't like this class. They're all educated. That guy said, I'll never, ever go back to church again. I'll never, ever go back to church again. A youth minister was having a Bible study. And in this Bible study, he had thought of a way that he could encourage the teenagers. He wanted to, you know, develop vision, cast vision into these, into these teenagers. And so he picked a dog that he thought each person most looked like or acted like. And so he's going through, and he says to this girl, 
teenage girl that probably was not very at home in her skin. She had real long, wavy hair, beautiful blonde hair, and, and perhaps her nose wasn't in symmetry with the rest of her face. Perhaps. And he said to her, you remind me of a golden retriever. He said, you're loyal, you're faithful, you're friendly, you're fun to be around. Yep, I think you're like a golden retriever. She didn't hear she was loyal and faithful and fun to be around. All she heard was, you look like a golden retriever. Oh, she goes home, tells her mom and dad, Guess whose phone rings that afternoon, that evening? And I'm on the phone, and I said, what? You've got to be kidding me. I'm so sorry. I'll take care of this right now. That I did. Dude, you can't say that to teenage girls. I'm not even sure you need to say that to teenage boys. Could you find another way to cast vision in their lives. I mean, I think it's really good to tell her that she's loyal, she's faithful, she's fun to be around. That probably would have made her day, but all she heard was golden retriever. In the conversation with this girl's parents was the statement, we don't know if we can ever get over this. I'm just not sure we can come back to the church. Boy, Satan loves that. A pastor was counseling a young mom who was struggling in her marriage. And he began to become infatuated with her. He started to lust after her. And they had several sessions they would have. And in these sessions of trying to counsel this young mom, he began to realize what she wanted to hear and he began to tell her what she wanted to hear. And as time goes on, they have a sexual affair. Some months go by, and he decides that he needs to break it off. He breaks it off with her. When he breaks it off with her, she is really guilty, really hurt, really in a bad way, and she goes to the leadership of the church and tells them what had happened. The leadership of the church decided that they needed to protect the reputation of the church and the reputation of that pastor. And so they buried it. They swept it under the rug. That pastor, about six months after that, went to another church to be the pastor. The church never said a word about what had happened with that young mom. He did it again two years later. In both churches, unbelievable church hurt. In both congregations, people were divided People were just beside themselves because sin is really complicated and sin pits people against each other. And in both of these congregations, they chose 
not to deal with the problem. It'll just go away. It'll just disappear. It'll, it'll just go, you know, it'll, we'll somehow or another overcome this if we just keep on ignoring that it had happened. That young mom and her friends and her family, guess what? They'll never go to church again. They can't stand to go to church again. Every time they go to church for a Christmas Eve service or something like that, they're reminded of what had happened. And what had happened was wrong. It was a legitimate church hurt. Now, the mustard packs are not legitimate, right? Right? We all agree with that, right? I mean, come on. You can live one lunch without mustard that's good. The mustard was bad. I will admit that. And it was Shannon Young's fault. I got to the bottom of it. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm an administrator deluxe, and I got in the middle of it on Monday in our staff meeting, and I said, by George, we've got to rise above this. And she said, it was my fault. Yes, it was your fault. I knew it was your fault. I just wanted to see if you were willing to admit that you had subpar mustard with our hamburgers. That's, that's just fun and games, but not the hurt that that young mom went through. Not that hurt. How do we deal with that kind of hurt? How do we move along? How are we going to deal with it? I think we have here some scripture that helps us with it, okay? First of all, look in verse 5. Now, if anyone has caused pain, so somebody has caused pain. We don't know what kind of pain this is. Paul says, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. And so he's not saying all of you are hurt by it, but he knows all, many, many, many are hurt by whatever happened. We know that it's a man because it says it was. Because he hurt y'all. He has caused it not to me, but to you. If anyone has caused pain, just like that man caused pain, I... Let's deal, let's, let's address it. Let's address it. Someone has caused hurt. Church hurt happens. There, the church is made up of imperfect pastors, imperfect ministers, imperfect elders, imperfect people. That's what it's made up of. Church hurt is going to happen because hurt people hurt people. And the church is made up of people who are hurting, and unintentional or intentional takes place. And in this particular account, someone caused pain. It might have been the pain of those that were saying that Paul was not, uh, did not have the authority to be the elder, to be the preacher, to be the apostle among them. That he didn't have the right to preach to them, that he didn't have the right to tell them what the truth is. And I mean, with the Corinthian church, Paul really dealt with lots of wrong. These people were messed up. These Corinthian people, man, it, it's an amazing thing how much they had wrong. They had the Lord's Supper wrong. That's why it's corrected. They had the spiritual gifts wrong. They were highlighting certain spiritual gifts over others. That's why Paul lists all the spiritual gifts, discusses them, but then he says the most important thing of all is love. 
That's why it's really important not to use 1 Corinthians as a rule book about how spiritual gifts could go because it's talking to people that had it wrong. They had, they had sex, sexual immorality wrong. I mean, one of the guys was sleeping with his stepmom. They had a lot of things wrong with them. I mean, things had to be corrected, and Paul corrected them in letter, and he corrected them in person. And so here he is following up the letter, and he says to him, man, I, 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 I know there's pain here. There's pain among you. And it didn't hurt me very much, but it hurts you. And so to deal with church hurt, First of all, you got to recognize, is it legitimate or not? Is it something that should cause us trouble? Is it something that should cause angst in us? Is it, or is it something that's just something we just should move along from? Mustard packs. Or is it really a legitimate thing that took place and it needs to be dealt with? Look in verse Six, they dealt with it. Whatever the guy did that caused problem in this church, the people dealt with it. It says, for such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. Did they excommunicate this old fella? Maybe. We don't know what it was. Did they just have a conversation with this person? Did, did they lead this person to be reconciled through repentance? Perhaps perhaps this person needed to stand up in front of the congregation and let everybody know that they had sinned against God and against them, and there was true, true sorrow, true remorse, true repentance. Sometimes that needs to take place. But what we see here in this scripture, the proper way to deal with legitimate church hurt is we deal with the person. We deal with the, per the person that has caused the church hurt. And, and sometimes it needs to be public, and sometimes it doesn't need to be public. And as a congregation, when you know of something that's taken place and it's not dealt with in a public way, you need to trust that your leadership understands what had taken place. It's been dealt with, but for whatever reason, this particular hurt that's taken place needs to just be dealt with the people that are experiencing the hurt and not everybody. Depends on what it is, right? Some things need to be dealt with publicly, and they need, we need to be shrewd in those things. But whatever the, whatever the person did to cause the hurt, in this congregation, it was dealt with. And it was dealt with in a way that Paul says that it was enough. It was enough punishment for the hurt that was caused. And then we see our response after a church hurt has been handled. And I want you to see here that in this response to the church hurt, is never the words, I'll never go to church again, are never the words, you know, I really love Jesus, but I just can't deal with the church. 
those words weren't spoken. I just can't any longer be faithful to this church because it's just not worth my time or my life. That wasn't spoken here. And, and, and we, need to, we need to realize that. And one of the responses I hope to this message is that there will be ingrained in you a spiritual ingraining, I mean a spiritual foundation, uh, a wall, however you want to label it, that says that regardless of what takes place in your life when it comes to church life, that you'll never, ever be outwitted by Satan and say, I'll never, ever go to church again. And we'll talk about that a little longer, but that needs to be ingrained in all of us. So he says here three things that needs to be done after the punishment has been dealt with, the hurt has been acknowledged, and it's been discussed. And he says in verse 7, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So Paul recognized that this guy had been through a lot. I reckon he was genuinely repentive. Now, when someone causes a hurt, and they have sinned against God against, and against his people, and he's not genuinely repentive, he's not really truly sorry of what he did, he's just sorry of being caught, and, and he's always spinning, or she is always spinning the hurt for, to make themselves look better than then they're still in that verse 6 stage, okay? Because Paul says in verse 6 that the majority is enough. The punishment of the majority is enough. It's been handled. It's succeeded. And I, I, so without it saying it, I, I, I'm saying that it's indicated that because of what we know about Paul, that repentance happened. Now, if repentance doesn't happen, then you need to keep on going with what you're doing. Forgive the person, okay. Don't shun the person, okay. But it is a mistake to act like everything is okay. We need to deal with the sin. The sin harms. The sin hurts. And, and we need to be in a genuine, authentic relationship in conversation with those people, and hopefully bring them repentance. Because if we drop the matter, they're not going to come to repentance because they're saying, I'm, I've been accepted. No. No, you're still, under, you're still under the conviction. Repent. That needs to happen. So it says in verse 7, you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him. So these people have genuinely repented, and they need to be forgiven and comforted. Or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So verse 8 says, So I beg you, reaffirm your love for him. So those three things, forgive, comfort, and love. That's how we treat people that have caused church hurt. Forgive, reaffirm, comfort, and love. Paul says, here's why I wrote to you. I wrote to you to see if you're going to follow through and be obedient in everything. Paul was very much aware 
that people acted differently in his presence than they acted when he was away. Nothing worse than a substitute teacher, is there? And the other day, someone asked Susan, said, you should sub. And I thought about that and went, do not sub. I'll dig ditches on the weekends. Don't sub. Subs are in. Oh, I feel for subs. You know, we have a hard time finding subs. Well, of course we have a hard time finding subs. Who in their right mind wants to be a sub? The kids lose their minds. They take it out on the sub. For this is, if I was a sub, I'd reinstate the board. I'd bust everybody who walked in there. Just walked in and said, now if you do something wrong, I'll bust you again. That's what I would do. Of course, I personally was fired from being a, a counselor for kids at school. So this little kid, man, they had me in there to help him and have lunch with him and try to mentor him and stuff. And that little kid wouldn't come out from under the table. And I said, I ain't coming up here, boy. And waste my time if you're going to sit on that, that bill like a little monkey or something. You don't say that. And the counselor came and said, you know, Mr. Brewer, we think it's time to end our relationship. Well, the kid was on the table. He wouldn't get out. You should have busted him when he come in here. But I, no, I'm sorry. I, I digress. But I recognize I no longer get the invite for the training Sorry to, to be that way, but that really happened. Not the busting part, the other part. All right. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. For you in the presence of Christ. That's an important statement right there. Because of Jesus, I forgive. Because of Jesus, I love. Because of Jesus, I convert, I comfort, Paul says here. So what Paul is saying here is this. The mission, the purpose of the church is more important than your hurt. That's what he's saying here. Now, when I think about that young mom that I described well ago, it didn't happen here, well, by the way. The mustard did. The dog deal did. The oil field worker didn't. It was somewhere else. But I, this young mom, man, to ask her to forgive and to ask her to reaffirm her love obviously, would be a very, very difficult process. But that's what she's called to do. She needs to re-engage with the body of Christ. She needs to offer her experience and her lesson and the testimony of her forgiveness and her grace. I, I recognize how horrible that would be. I recognize how difficult that would be. But that's what the Scripture would call us to do. That's what it call it. Acknowledge the problem. Acknowledge sin. The church needs to have the scruples to deal with the sin. And yet, 
That lady needs to forgive, comfort, and love. And help others along the way, I reckon. And then in verse 11, look at these words here. I think that we can say here that Paul is saying we need to really be careful. Satan is really smart. We need to really be careful. Satan is really brilliant. We need to be careful because although we may not recognize it, Satan is always working. And when something happens in a church that could possibly be a seed for deep-seated church hurt, we need to be alert. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded and be alert. Satan is like a lion waiting on the road to devour. And we need to be alert. He will outwit us if we're not careful. He will outwit us if we don't follow the Scripture. He will outwit us, with us if we allow how we feel to determine how we respond. He'll outwit us. Paul says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Turn that around and look at that. What Paul is telling us of, telling us here is, the man really has designs. The man really has designs. That crazy angel has a plan. He has a plan. He'll get you. You got to be really careful. Whenever, when, whenever something seems really unreasonable, you need to be careful of that. Because Satan is always at work and causing people to go to that place that's unreasonable. And you need to be careful of that. He is always at work when people have a failure to connect the dots between the spirit, between the warfare, between right and wrong. And there's a lot of that going on these days. And we need to be careful. Satan is behind that. He has schemes. So be careful when unreason. Be, be careful when we tend to magnify the individual more than the bride of Christ, Christ himself. When we need to acknowledge when it's wrong, we need to acknowledge when the church hurt is legitimate and it needs to be as effectively as we can deal with it. And, and, and to be honest with you, there's usually in these cases, it's so cotton pick and complicated, there's no right way to respond. It is wrong to not respond, but responding is just mind-blowing sometimes. Similar to the COVID thing, golly, there was no good decision in the COVID deal when it first came on. Mask, no mask. Six feet, no six feet. In the church, I'm talking about. You know, I remember one time, it, it, they, they sent out that that germ was on everything for, what, three months? And so, we, were, we went and bought foggers to kill this invisible, invisible thing. And I went, holy cow, we've lost our mind. I watched a guy get on an airplane in Phnom Penh, and he had on a plastic hazmat suit with a great big helmet on. And, and when you get on the plane in Cambodia, they know Sabi air conditioning. 
And you get on there, and you're just sweating bullets in there. And that guy's sitting right over there with that hazmat suit on. I said, have you lost your mind? You're going to die of heat stroke. I mean, heat stroke is really what you need to be worried about here. But there was no, there was no right answers. It was a difficult process. And, and I, I liken that to dealing with church hurt. There's no right answers. But the response we know for sure. We forgive, we comfort, and we love. And we need to keep in mind that Satan, Satan can outwit us if we're not careful. He's brilliant, he's smart, cunning. He has many, many designs. I want to tell you three things that I know for sure Satan loves. Satan loves to get God's people to the place where they say, I will never go to church again. He loves that. He loves that to be heard. And when that is stated, when that is said, man, it, it spreads. It spreads in the body of Christ. Satan loves that. Satan loves it when people say, man, I'm okay with Jesus, but not the church. Man, no, no, no. That's never true for God's people. We love the church. We've got to recognize Jesus died for the church. The plan of God to save the world is through the church. We can't say that. First John clearly says, if we're a child of God, we're going to love God's people. That's, that's who we are as believers. We can't say that, but Satan loves it when you say that. And, and, and Satan loves us to minimize, make smaller the church, the importance of the church. He loves it when we do that. All of us need to be reminded that the most important entity in Parker County is the church. The most important entity in Alito is the church. The most important group of people are the people of God. The church. What we do matters more than what the school does. What we do matters more than what any business does. We're more important than the hospital. Hospital's really important. The school's really important, obviously. But we're more important. Did you know that? Because God has given us, He has given us the responsibility to share with people the only way of escaping damnation. The message of the gospel, the good news. We're really, it's really important to do. And so it's really important that we don't allow Satan to outwit us. And we are strong when it comes to matters of hurt. And we don't let it get in the way of the mission. The individual is really important because the individual makes up the body of Christ. But the individual, no individual, including the pastor, is not more important than Jesus Christ and the mission of the church. We need to remember that. You need to understand that. If you, have, if you lose sight of that, you just might be ripe to be outwitted by one of his schemes. Help us stay strong. 
Lord, help us. May your will be done. May we be guided by your words, by your spirit today. Lord, help us to make good decisions when it comes to matters of hurt and pain and sorrow. Help us to respond correctly. Help us to be wise in those matters and deal with them effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.